the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by Ron Geyer Roofing. The Bible describes events that will mark the last days or end times. 2 Timothy 3.1 says, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. Matthew 24.44 tells us, Therefore you must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour when you do not expect Him. Bible teacher Ron Geyer leads us through Scripture that will help us to remain strong in the Lord. End Time Insights with Bible teacher Ron Geyer starts now. Hello everybody, Ron Geyer. We're back with more End Time Insights. Thank you so much for listening. You make my day. So I saw the, the numbers for about who listens. We got somebody from Africa, people from, I forget the name of the country, a friend, a lady from uh, Kansas City the other day. I did not know all this stuff goes out that far, so I'm happy. So that's three people I know that listen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. My wife listens. That's four. Praise the Lord. We spoke last week about the fact that uh, according to the Barna survey, a Christian pollster, one out of 10 Christians have a biblical worldview. Everybody else doesn't. And so you've got 90% of the church in America choosing to see the world through the eyes that are not God's, which leads to trouble. So today I'm actually going to talk about bringing conviction and salvation to an apostate church. I don't know how many of the 90% that don't agree with God's view on things that call themselves Christians. I don't know how many of them are Christians. I don't. It's not my job. That's above my pay grade. But one of the ways that I'm going to choose to address that issue is that if only 10% of Christians think as God does, then we're going to shine the light of truth on what's false, what's wrong in the church, why these people think like they do. And my weapon of choice is always truth. So we're going to give you truths. We're going to address some of these issues, and we're going to see if we can affect our small sphere of influence with the Word of God to help people see the world as God sees it. And it's so important that you see the world as God sees it because the world is lost. The world is dead to the things of God. The world is fast-tracking hell. And unless we start preaching the truth, the real gospel of God, these people are going to wind up there. And many of them think that they're in the church already. So we want to fight for them. Amen. The Lord has put a love, a supernatural love uh, for his church, for his body, not the bride. The church is the body of Christ. The Lord has placed a love for his church into my heart. That's why I do this stuff. Because of what we are going through as a church body and because the pastors in America, they're not preaching about the dangers to us. We've lost so many. You know, if nobody was being lost, Jesus said many are going to follow their pernicious ways. Paul talks about many will be led astray by destructive, damnable heresies. And Peter said that. And there's just so many reasons to warn the body of Christ about the dangers. If the dangers are present, then the warnings need to be present. And so because of this, we're not preaching about the dangers. We've lost many. If we weren't losing many, I could say, well, it's no big deal. But we're losing many. We're losing many. The Bible says, broad is the gate that leads to destruction, narrow is the way that leads to life, and few there be that find it. Because of the false teaching from religion, all kinds of religion, including the word of faith religion, with the erroneous doctrines that they're teaching, 
the pagan preaching of famous worldwide celebrities who fill our pulpits in America, ouch, and the lack of fire and truth in such pulpits. The church is on dangerous ground, very, very dangerous ground. You know, it's it's why 90% don't have the vision of Christ. That's terrible, and we need to correct that. I'm not worried by this. I'm not surprised because, you know, I read my Bible. <laughs> I know the truth, and the friends that I have made and the circle of believers I associate with, they're aware of what's happening. We know what's going on. We know what the apostasy means. We know what the end time looks like. We read Timothy. We know that it's a perilous time to live. It's a perilous time to live not because of bad things, but because of bad people. And even though I know that, that does not dismiss me from my responsibility of doing everything I can to warn you from the perils we face today. They are everywhere. Most of them, unfortunately, are right within the church body itself. That, by the way, that's my church body. I belong to that church body, and I'm going to do everything in my power to warn those within my sphere of influence, no matter how small that influence is. And you should do the same. Last week's show referenced the fact that one in ten Christians do not see things as God does. That shouldn't even be in the same sentence, Christians not seeing things as God sees them. What's wrong with us, that we would even put up with something like that? You know, if, if I see an error like that, I'm going to jump at it. I'm going to correct it. I'm, I'm not going to, I don't care who it is. I don't care how popular they are. I am going to correct that error. I do not want people going to hell, being taken away from the body of Christ because they followed lies, because they fell for some false teaching. So that's the super alarming, and I'm going to do something about it in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Christianity, guys, it's radical. It should be radical. It takes effort. It requires an exhaustive effort. Remember the word that we used when we were talking about the book of Revelation? Jesus uh, was telling them, I know your labors, I know your works. And Paul talks about, what is it? 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty-seven. be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. That word there is kopos, K-O-P-O-S. And it means that you are working to the point of exhaustion. You're not floating around passively like many are doing. Uh, that's going to allow this world's currents to lead them to a life without God. You've got to fight against that. We're Christians. We're swimming upstream. Doing nothing wins you hell. Let me say that again. If you don't do anything about your spiritual state, doing nothing will win you hell. You will just drift aimlessly until you die, and you will never awaken to the dangers that you're faced just by living in this world. Passivity in God's kingdom is never neutrality. Passivity in God's kingdom is surrender. Despite what you may have seen during COVID, God's people, his true church, his working remnant, the church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of truth, we have never surrendered. We as a church need to return to much sterner preaching. And I think that's going to begin the protection of the body of Christ. We've got to return to sterner teaching. 1 Corinthians 2, 4, Paul. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power. Paul's preaching of the word never was eloquent. He didn't try to appease people. He didn't try to make the word attractive. He didn't dress it up. He didn't use fancy language. He didn't dress it up carnally to appeal to the senses of men. It was the same approach, and I love this, as I was writing that scripture down, this scripture came to me. It was the same approach that God used with Jesus. Isaiah 53, 2, for he, Jesus, the Messiah, shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of a dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. 
So what Isaiah is prophesying is that there's not going to be any physical characteristics that are going to draw you closer to Jesus. He's not going to win you by the fact that he's handsome or good looking. He's got a nice accent. He's got a great body. No, there will be no carnal appeal to the Lord Jesus Christ, which is by design. And that's what Paul copied when he did the preaching. I'm not going to be eloquent. I'm not going to dress up my words. You know, we've got preachers now. They've got every hair in place. They've got $1,000 Italian suits, $500 pair of shoes. They walk out there, man. They are styled. They're weightlifters. They wear tight clothes to show off their bodies, their hairs. They're all quaffed to the latest style. Sorry, God. Sorry. These people, they're not from you. They are not drawing people carnally to the kingdom of God. That's not how it works. He is not desired for his beauty. We have greatly erred in our approach to Christianity. We have tried to make Christ attractive to the church, to the lost, in the realm of carnality. In doing that, we have hidden the humiliation of Christ's servanthood. We have refused to share in his suffering, because that's not attractive. And we have silenced the lessons of his sacrifice. Very few people live sacrificially for Christ right now, whether it's money, whether it's fasting, whether it's just a lifestyle of sacrificing their carnal lusts. It's just things that trap us, and we've got to be careful. Speaking of the 53rd chapter of Isaiah, it's a tremendous chapter. I would encourage you to read it. St. Augustine said of the 53rd chapter of Isaiah, it's not a prophecy. It is a gospel. I love that, right? Isaiah was a prophet, but here what he wrote, he wrote a gospel because it talks about the prophetic, Jesus was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. All of that. Yes, it's prophecy, but it's also a gospel as you read further in. Polycarp called this chapter, the 53rd chapter of Isaiah, the golden passional of the Old Testament. Isn't that great? Martin Luther said of Isaiah 53, verses 1 through 12, every Christian ought to be able to repeat it by heart. I mean, and we got people that won't even teach out of the Old Testament anymore. We got people that say the Ten Commandments are done away with. We've got people in pulpits that are telling you that all of that stuff under the law is gone now. It has no lessons, no meaning for us. These are false prophets. They do not belong in the pulpits. You need not pay attention to them. I'm going to listen to people like Polycarp, Luther. I'm going to listen to people like Augustine. I'm going to listen to people... Uh, like the old-time preachers, Jonathan Edwards, and people that led revivals in our nation. Once again, Jesus, he's not desired for his carnal attractions. We've got to make it the same way. We don't present Christ carnally. You know, the Bible says the gospel, God is a spirit. Christ is a spirit. We that come to God must worship him in spirit and in truth. We need to put our accent on the things of the spirit in our lives so that we don't focus carnally and we try to that's what we've done. We've made God, we made Christ a carnal image. We have reinvented him in our minds, in our reasoning. And we've gone ahead, we've tried to make him presentable, acceptable to the world. And thereby doing, we have whitewashed the strength of the gospel. We've taken away the judgments of God. You know, according to most of the church today, we're not allowed to talk about that God's a judge, that God judges. No, God doesn't judge. My old pastor, God's not sovereign in the earth today. Well, what that does is that removes the ability of God to judge us, to correct us, to discipline us. My heavens. First Timothy 4, 1 and 2. This is a great scripture. Paul talking to Timothy, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom. 
preach the word. Be instant in season, be instant out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. That's the truth that we're going to use to bring people back, to get them back from the edge of losing their salvation, to bring them back from the great apostasy that they don't follow and that they don't follow what's being taught, what's going on. It's such a dangerous time. The most dangerous people in America, I'm sorry, it's not President Biden. The most, the greatest threat to America is not the Taliban. It's not global warming. It's not COVID. The greatest, most dangerous people on the earth today are in our churches. They are pastors and they are preaching false truths and they are living for the devil and they are bringing people to the edge of destruction. We have got to challenge them. We've got to call them out. We've got to correct them in Jesus name. On this show, that's why we talk about the subjects that nobody else talks about. That's why we talk about the topics preachers won't talk about. Look at Timothy again, 1 Timothy 4.12. I charge thee, therefore, Timothy, before God. Look at it. This is a solemn charge, man. Timothy, he's using language that Paul is using language that is like he's got Timothy by the shirt collar and, and he's shaking him. And he's saying, Timothy, Timothy, I charge you. I solemnly charge you. And look at this. I charge you before God. And I charge you before the Lord Jesus Christ. He's got him before the courts of heaven. Jesus Christ is a witness to this charge. Jehovah God is a witness to this charge. And Paul is saying, Timothy, I am placing this charge upon you right in the presence of the living God and the Lord Jesus Christ. And then he says, why? Who's going to judge the quick and the dead, the living and the dead at his appearing? I'm charging you right now. This is heavy duty stuff, Timothy. This is life and death. This is eternity, man. I'm putting this on you. Guess what, saints? He's put it on you also. You are charged before the courts of heaven in the presence of God and the Lord Jesus Christ to preach the word and preach the word only. That's what the charge is. And we have violated that. We have just, we have, what's the word I'm looking for? We have violated the holiness of the word of God. We have just, for some reason, we have disagreed with God. The 90% of the people in the earth today that call themselves Christians they don't agree with God on his point of views. What we, mm, we have got to fight that. We have got to combat that. That's why on this show, we're going to talk about the topics that nobody else is talking about. We're going to talk about judgment. We're going to talk about suffering. We're going to talk about tribulation, the soon return of Christ. We're going to talk about sin. We're going to talk about holiness, accountability. We're going to address false doctrines, false teachers. We're going to talk about the apostasy. All of these manifest the love of God that he has for you. All you hear currently are messages on faith and hope and love and money. I don't talk much about those things because you are saturated with those biblical principles. You know about faith. You know about money, right? You know about supposedly love, although that's been counterfeited. But you get lesson after lesson after lesson on that. Yeah, we got to correct those errors also. But yes, I'm going to offend you with the word of God. That's what the word of God does. That's good. It's good for you. You also will be convicted. Biblical principles, they are designed to convict you. I will convict you. I will offend you when I preach the word. And that's great. Our local leading pastor here says he's not going to talk about sin in his church. Well, that's right. It is his church. God has nothing to do with that. God's not there. If you can't talk about sin, then you can't talk about God. And God's not going to confirm what you preach if it doesn't line up to the word of God. Preach the word. Where does it say that we're not to talk about sin in the church? Where does it say that sin's not to be mentioned? Jesus talked about sin more than anybody else in the Bible. Well, he can keep that church. I'll not go there. My heart bleeds, though, for those that attend that church. I would dare say quite comfortably more people in church today are deceived on some level than those who know the truth. 
Last week, I said again, I spoke about the one in 10 Christians having a biblical worldview that bears out the truth of my prior statements. You know, I'm reading uh, Hebrews and I'm reading Romans. I'm discovering God's love for his people through the warnings that he sends out. I remember dad said, don't play in the street. Don't smoke cigarettes. Don't do this. It was because he hated me because he wanted to punish me. No, it was because he loved me. And we've got to take these warnings to heart because his love for you is everywhere because danger to you is everywhere. So also must be the warnings everywhere. We will use this podium. We will use this platform to make sure that you get the warnings of God so that you don't put your salvation at risk. Let's focus for a minute on the church's deception concerning God's judgments. Romans 11.33. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. You know, the Bible talks about in Psalms that God uses, he's known by the judgments that he executes. And that's one of the ways we get to know him. Well, then why would we dismiss the judgments of God if that's how he is known? Remember, Jesus says, you're only getting in if you know me. Depart from me, I never knew you. When God's judgments are in the earth, the church is supposed to be letting the people know, hey, this is a judgment from God. I'm sorry, COVID is from God. It's the judgment of God. 9-11, a judgment of God. AIDS, homosexuality, all of these are judgments from God that you may know him better, that he disproves what's going on, that he can correct us and get us back on the right track. We have got to understand that. You know, let me read that again. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of God's wisdom and God's knowledge. How unsearchable are his judgments and how unsearchable are his ways past finding out. It's okay not to know everything. Can you understand that? As a pastor, you don't need to stand up and act like you know everything. You don't. I know that you don't know everything. How do you know that? Because I just read you the scripture that says you don't. We don't have to understand every aspect of God. Our dangers come when our leaders feel a responsibility to act like they know everything. When they act like they know it all, then when something happens which they don't understand, they quickly run to their human reasoning to explain it. And what happens invariably is we wind up being deceived through false information, false teaching. Today's preachers know very little about God's judgments. They are confused. Their religion has confused them so that they reinvent God to conform to their personal religious views. Let me tell you about Tozier. Tozier is great. A.W. Tozier. He writes this, I must confess that after I became a believer, it took some time for me to overcome the feeling that the New Testament was a book of love and the Old Testament a book of judgment. Okay, right, guys? We hear that all the time. This is Ron again. We hear that all the time. People say that God, they don't like the God of the Old Testament because he was judged. He was harsh. He was cruel. And yet they say, well, God, the book of the New Testament, that's all about the love of God. Okay, back to Tozier. I have given the proposition much time and study, and I am able to make a report, says Tozier. You should know that there are three mentions of mercy in the Old Testament for every one mention of mercy found in the New Testament. Did you get that? Tozier has found out through his studies that God talks about mercy and displays mercy three times more in the Old Testament than he does in the New Testament. I'm sure that shocks many of you. I find there is equally as much recorded in the Old Testament about God's grace and faithfulness as there is recorded in the New about grace and faithfulness. What he's saying here is grace and faithfulness were referenced in the Old Testament every bit as much as they were referenced in the New Testament. Isn't that amazing? 
That should fix your thing because people don't want to know the God of the Old Testament. They're scared of the God of the Old Testament. So they ignore it. They throw away the Ten Commandments and they think that the things that were said in the Old Testament don't apply to us in the New Testament. Then we're scared of the book of Revelation. So we don't read the book of Revelation. So all that's left to us is the New Testament. But you've got to understand, folks, just like you don't read the Constitution without first studying the Declaration, okay, you will have a better understanding of the Constitution if you will study the Declaration of Independence before. It's the same way with the Bible. You will have a better insight to the revelations in the New Testament if you will study the Old Testament because the Old Testament was a schoolmaster for us. The Old Testament is full of the promises. The book of Revelation is a fulfillment of every promise that's ever been written in the Bible. And yet we don't want to study that. I'm telling you, the first three chapters in the book of Revelation, the letters of Jesus Christ to the church, you don't know how invaluable that is. That's got the lessons that we need to know. That will keep us from false doctrine. That teaches us how to cleanse the church. That teaches us how to warn the saints. That teaches us how to give proper rebuke, proper chastisement. Jesus does it in a loving way. It's there for us. Jesus always wants to correct us. That's how his love is manifested. I drifted. Going back to Tosher. Uh, let's see. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the... Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, go clear back to Noah and you will find the record plain, says Tosher. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord, Genesis 6-8. Favor or grace is an Old Testament quality. Did you catch that? It's not just New Testament. Favor, grace, they belong in the Old Testament too. The Lord is merciful and gracious. He is slow to anger and he is plenteous in mercy. Psalm 103, verse 8. On the other hand, judgment is a New Testament quality. What did Tosha just say? That's right. Judgment belongs in the New Testament. Hello? We cannot ignore that anymore. We've got to start preaching the way the Bible is written. Let's see. Tosha, on the other hand, judgment is a New Testament quality. Read the words of Jesus in the Gospels. Read Peter's warnings. Read the letter of Jude. Read the book of Revelation. In the New Testament, we learn the terrible judgments God intends to bring upon the world. That's not important. We can't teach that. That offends us. That scares us. Well, good. The Bible talks about the fear of the Lord. I agree with my buddy, Pastor Ronnie Chamberlain. He talks about that. We will have a return to the fear of the Lord in America in 2022. We're going to get it one way or the other, folks. In the tribulation, where I believe we're going to have the greatest revival the earth has ever seen, they're going to come into the kingdom of God because of the revival, because of the fear that's happening when they see mountains falling, when they see a third of the human population destroyed, when they see the demons out of hell loosed on the earth. That's going to literally scare the hell out of these people. Good. I say good. We need to do that today somehow. Read the letter of Jude, Tozer writes. Read the letter of Revelation. In the New Testament, we learn the terrible judgment God intends to bring upon the world. Why do I mention these things, says Tozer? Because God is a God of judgment, but he is also the God of all grace. My conclusion, he says, God is always the same. He will never change or he will never falter. Let me bring that forward to you. The God of the Old Testament is the same God that we're going to see and love and serve in the New Testament. God plainly tells us his judgment. This is me now. God plainly tells us his judgments are unsearchable. So why get bent out of shape when we don't understand them? You know, I had a friend tell me that because he didn't believe that God would ever send COVID or judgment or plagues upon the earth, that therefore he had to come up with another reason why uh, people were dying. And he wouldn't blame God, so he went to his religion and he says people are dying because they lack knowledge. 
why don't we just accept that we don't understand certain things? If you can't receive the promises of God as they're written, don't try to make stuff up. You know, God always has your best long-term interest at heart. And quit apologizing for God. God doesn't need our help. And quit judging God according to your human reasoning. How about we just let God do his own thing? Mankind has little, if any, understanding about the hows and the whys of God's actions. Just trust him. Obey him. Serve him as he asks to be served. You know, we don't have to. We don't get to know it all. He knows how best to win our love. Preach the word and only the word. Correct the errors that you see. He's God, you're not. Because we don't understand him, our default position is human reasoning, and that only leads to idolatry. God owes us nothing. We owe him everything. Act like it. A lack of biblical judgment from the pulpit is causing all kinds of compromise and confusion to the church body. We've got to understand it. We've got to read the word of God. I will not apologize for anything that the word of God says. I will boldly say it. I will say it unerringly. I will say it ceasingly. I will say it all the time in every setting. You need the word of God. It's how you eat. It's how you stay alive. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds forth out of the mouth of God. Study the word of God. Eat hearty, my friends. Jesus Christ loves you. He's coming back soon. Thank you for joining us for End Time Insights with Ron Geyer. Listen again next Sunday night at 8 on 100.7 The Word, where faith comes by hearing. You can also listen to the podcast of this program by going to kkht.com. If you would like to contact Ron, email him at gospelguy at comcast.net. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.